Well, hey, welcome to uh, uh, online here at the Orchard Community Church today. And uh, we're in week three of this series, Heart of a Maverick. And if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know that there's been some really uh, amazing things happening as we've been uh, kind of looking into David's life, but looking into David's life through the lens of his heart. Of course, if you were with us on week one, you know that we talked about uh, he as a shepherd was pulled from the shepherd's field and uh, amazing anointed as king, even though there was a king on the throne, King Saul, God had another plan and David was to be the king of Israel. And then if you were with us last week, we uh, dove into uh, just an incredible story, so well known, uh, not even for those who go to church, but even those who aren't in church. This is such a familiar story, uh, the story of David and Goliath. While we didn't focus in on the actual scene, the battle scene, all the preparation leading into that, all the the things that went into David having a focused, undivided heart, trusting God for the battle that was to come. And uh, you would think after those two amazing things that the next stop in this story would have to be maybe even more amazing, right? David's just had this incredible victory. Um, and uh, as, as the victory is over uh, and David comes in with the king of Israel, King Saul, into the cities, uh, all these people start pouring out and all these ladies begin to sing this song to David uh, and Saul. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And he instantly becomes the most famous guy in all of Israel because of killing the mighty giant. And you would think at that moment that what would come next would be all the, the good things that come from such a victory as that. And I think that if the Bible were simply just a fairy tale, maybe that would make sense. But the Bible isn't a fairy tale. The Bible is a story uh, of, of God working in people's lives, people just like us, ordinary people, who deal with the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, who deal with life. And, and so maybe it's surprising to some, but maybe it shouldn't be surprising to any of us that the days following the victory over Goliath were some really hard days for David. Some of the toughest that he had probably ever faced in his life up to that point. Because as David's fame grew, as his popularity grew and his military prowess grew, the king, Saul, became increasingly more jealous and angry. And in fact, I just want to kind of summarize for you very quickly before we get to our text today, just some of the things that began to transpire in those days and weeks following that victory, just to show you the difficulty that David began to face. Not the good things that should have come from all the good things that he had done on the battlefield, but instead, the fear for his very life. For instance, as chapter 18 of 1 Samuel kind of begins to move forward, we find that Saul is so angry, so jealous of David that he decides to kill him. And then if you remember the offer that was made, whoever killed the giant would receive as a wife uh, the king's daughter. And yet the daughter that should have been David's wife was given to another man instead of to him. 
when another daughter of Saul's comes into play. Her name is Michael. Uh, Saul wants to use her as a trap for David. So he gives her to David as a wife and she loves David, but Saul intends for her to trap him so that David is killed, maybe not by the Israelites, but perhaps even by the Philistines. And and then from there, Saul orders that David be killed um, by anyone who would take on the task. And oddly enough, it's the king's son, the heir, the apparent heir to the throne, Jonathan, that steps in to save David's life. In the end, David, to save his life, has to flee from Israel. He has to get away from the king, and he goes on the run um, to get away and find safety. He first flees to a place called Nob, and then, uh, even more bizarre, he ends up in Philistine territory in the city of Gath. And there in the city of Gath, he even has to put on an act that he has lost his mind and is insane to save himself, not just from Saul, but also from the Philistines. David's been anointed as king. David's had this incredible victory on a battlefield, killing the most feared man in all the land, Goliath. And yet nothing seems to be going right for him. He's running for his life from Saul. And and the questions have to be coming. How is this possible? Why is this happening? I think it's here that we begin to see another aspect of David's heart that I think maybe resonates with us on a daily level more so than we realize. And that is that David, throughout the course of all of this, through all the uncertainty, through all the fear, David displayed for us a very patient heart, a man who was willing to wait and trust God. He didn't know how long any of this would go. He probably was even asking, how long do I have to live like this? And he didn't know when Saul might relent or if Saul would relent or how he would ever even take the throne. And where we find David next seems to be the most oddest place of all. David ends up in a cave. Well, we don't know how long he stays in this cave, but we do believe he was there for a period of time. And throughout this time, living in this cave, we never see David forsake his faith. We see a patience kind of settle into his heart that gives us some insight and some things that maybe we would consider as we face the challenges of life, as we face the trials and the difficulties that come our way uh, as we live. David's heart, being patient, reveals that he had a deep trust in God and that he was trusting God for each day and only that day as he waited on God's timing. Yes, he was anointed king. Yes, he had defeated uh, the, the giant Goliath. Yes, he had grown in popularity and fame because of all the heroics on the battlefield. But yes, he was also living in a cave, having to be patient and wait on God's plan. Let, let me read the text for us today. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and uh, we're just going to look at the first two verses. That's where we find the, the descriptors. That's where we find the location of where David is in this cave. L- listen to what the Bible says. It says, so David left Gath and, and let, took refuge in the cave of Adullam. Well, when David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there in the cave. Verse two, in addition, every man who was desperate in debt or discontented rallied around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. 
We don't have a lot of details. We know that Adullam was a, a cave and, 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 and multiple caves in an area um, just uh, outside of, uh, of Jerusalem, or Bethlehem rather, about 13 miles or so. It was an isolated place. It was a pretty barren place. And David took refuge in the cave of Adullam. Literally, the word refuge there means he escaped. He, he hid away. Uh, what was he hiding from? Obviously, he was hiding from King Saul. And, and I believe he was also hiding from the Philistines that he had just been with there in the city of Gath. You know, it's easy to think about David just hiding, you know, almost cowering in fear there. But, but I don't think we can always see that as the truth. It's easy to think of a cave as a hiding place. Uh, but I think that if we only see it that way, we may miss that God uses those places of desolation, those isolated moments in our life uh, to be something so much more. I believe he can use those isolated, hidden away places to really grow us, to really uh, train us and expand our understanding of him and his faithfulness to us and our faith in him. In fact, I would go so far as to say that I think that the cave for David may have been the best place for David to learn how to wait on God and God's timing. Uh, all the fame that had happened so quickly, everything that had transpired may have made David impatient. And maybe this was a way for God to slow David's heart down and, and for David to really focus in and see what God was doing. I think the same may be true for us. You know, I think there are many times that we would have never grown in our faith or we would have never learned lessons that we needed the most if God hadn't removed some distractions from us, isolating us or pulling us back from the, the harried pace that we live in from day to day. Sometimes, I think this is true, sometimes we need to be taken out of our comfort zone. David had been living in the, the palace there with King Saul. David had been living in relative comfort, not in the shepherd's fields anymore. And maybe it was time for David to be taken out of a place he had become comfortable. Sometimes we need to let go of our expectations. We don't know what all David's expectations are, but we can imagine that after being anointed king, he was just waiting for the day that he would have ascended the throne. After killing Goliath, he certainly would have thought, now has to be the time. I'm uh, more popular than I thought I ever would be. People know who I am, and, and yet those expectations weren't met. So sometimes we met, so sometimes we have to let go of our expectations. Sometimes I think we need to be humbled. I, I think our own pride, because of our expectations or because of what we think of ourselves, gets in the way. So sometimes I think we need to be humbled. And, and I would just conclude by saying this. It, it, it's often in these sometimes that God can do the most in our heart. So what do we find in these two verses that reveal David's patient's heart? What, what do we find God was teaching him there that I think would have had a, a greater influence on David had he not, uh, it, it, versus if he had stayed maybe in, in the, 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 the castle or the palace with the king? Well, what did he find by being in this cave? And I think this is uh, important for us to just really think about our own hearts today as we look at these very few things today. First of all, I think that David found that a patient heart, a patient heart is, is humbled. Um, the, the fact that David ended up in a cave had to be humbling, right? The, the king that he was supposed to replace, Saul, while Saul is sitting on a throne, David is hiding in a cave. Saul had been rejected by God as king. David had been anointed by God to be king. 
but Saul is on the throne and David's in a cave. Saul refused to submit to God. David has nothing but trust and respect uh, for God. And Saul is sitting on the throne and David's hiding in a cave. While Saul is comfortable and cared for and secure, David is none of those things in the cave. And it had to remind David that there is a, a measure of patience that is measured by our humility. Uh, there was no way for David to have forced anything and been right with God. There was no way for God uh, to have used David if David had taken matters in his own hands. He knew that because that had been Saul's demise. So for David, the issue wasn't whether or not he wanted to be king. The issue was whether or not he was going to trust God and God's timing in that. And that required humility. Too often when we choose comfort, even though comfort may mean we are conforming to the world or, or bowing down to the world's pleasures rather than humbly submitting to God, we find that we miss out on what God could have been doing in our life if we had chosen humility instead. David may, be in, may have been hiding in a cave, but the truth of the matter is he was still the king to be. I think for us, humility is tough at times because we are so self-reliant and we're so self-sufficient in a lot of the ways we view things. And so when things aren't happening in our timing, when we're forced to wait, if you will, if, if there's a measure of patience that needs to be applied, for, for many of us, our pride rears up in us and we choose to take matters in our own hands. That wasn't the case for David. I'm reminded of this verse from Peter in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, that tells us that God, if we will humble ourselves, God will uh, use and enact the plan that he has in our life, and what he wants will always be best in his time. First Peter chapter five, verse six says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Humble under God's mighty hand, and then this is the promise, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Uh, we're not sure what the timing was. And again, we don't have, uh, know how long, we'll, we'll address this before we close a little bit more. We don't know how long he had to live in this cave, hide out in this cave, but I can assure you that it was a humbling time for David, but it was an opportunity for David to humbly rest under the mighty hand of God and trust his timing in that. The other thing that I think David found out there in the cave was not just that a patient heart has to be humble, but he also found out that a patient heart has to be dependent. I think the dependence on God was something that maybe is understated in these verses, right? We don't know of anything that David had there. Of course, we know by the end of verse one that his brothers and then his father and the whole family came. So I'm sure they came with some resources. And then in chapter two, we begin to learn of some of these men who begin to filter in. They've heard David's hiding there. They've gotten rumors where they might find him. And so these men come in and we'll, we'll address those in a second. But here's the truth of the matter. Dependent for David was I could not, uh, he could not rather be dependent on Saul any longer. He could not allow this king to provide for him. This king was desperate to have him killed. This king did not want him to gain any more popularity or fame. So David had to separate himself from Saul's house. Uh, it wasn't just about his safety though. It was also about whether or not he was accepting of who Saul was. Everyone knew that Saul was mentally breaking down. He had 
had these episodes of despair and, and delusionment. And, and there were all these problems that Saul was uh, uh, dealing with mentally and psychologically in ways that were unhealthy for all those who were around him. Saul ultimately had been rejected by God. And he saw in David all the blessings that God was pouring into his life. And he despised him for that. So if David had stayed there and depended on Saul, uh, he would have in some ways surrendered to Saul's authority. He would have been uh, accepting of Saul's uh, limitations and, and, and all the things that were part of Saul's life that were spiraling out of control in those days. And people were watching and they would have wondered about David as well. Is David not in the same league? Is David not in agreement with what Saul is doing and how Saul is behaving? And they may have concluded that David was perhaps no different than Saul. So the minute David separated himself and placed his dependence not on Saul, but in the hands of his God, he chose this outcast way of life. He went a different way. He decided that he had to solely depend on God alone. And it's interesting that the people that we find gathering there with him would have been in a similar situation. His brothers and his father, because they were attached to David, perhaps were under some threats of Saul as well. Uh, maybe they were being harassed about where David was, or maybe even threatened themselves because they were his family. We don't know those details, but it's entirely probable that the king or some of his commanders were pressing David's family, so they needed to escape. But maybe even more telling is verse two, in addition to David's family, all these people that showed up, all these men who came. And the Bible describes them, right? In addition, every man who was desperate, in debt, or discontented rallied around him. These were men also who had no one else to depend on. These were men who had also had to separate themselves out because they too were outcasts. Let me just kind of give you a, a snapshot of what that looks like really quickly. The first group he describes are those men who were desperate. The word literally means uh, to the point of anguish. They, uh, they were hopeless. Um, there may have been a variety of reasons of, of, of what brought that anguish on, but whatever it was, they had reached an end and they had no other place of refuge and hope. And so they went to this man, this, this, uh, this commander, this heroic fighter, this brilliant, brilliant battlefield uh, commander and said, we have nowhere else to go. And so they became dependent on David. Uh, then, then the next group talks about those who were in debt. And, and that word literally describes those people who were so in debt for whatever reason it was, financially, uh, that they were uh, on the verge of going to debtor's prison. Uh, they had lost everything in, in loans or uh, bad business investments or whatever it may have been, crop failures, we don't know, uh, but they were in trouble. And if they ended up in debtor's prison, they would die there because there would be no way for them to repay what they owed. They had lost everything. They had nothing. And so they too placed their dependence on this king. 
to be, David. And then the last group are those that were described as discontented. That literally is a combination of two words in the original language that gives us this understanding of people who were bitter souls. Uh, they were just broken inside. They, they were discontented by whatever, whether it was the things going on in the culture around them, whether it was things going on in their family life, whether it was because something had happened in their military service. We don't know, but we do know this. They were disappointed by those they had trusted the most. They had been let down by those that had once protected them, that they had once been depended on, and they had become bitter. These men who were already outcasts were looking to someone to gather them in, someone they could depend on. And a patient heart would develop in this relationship with them because now these men, about 400 of them, uh, the Bible says, gathered up and David became their leader. We'll learn about these men in the course of David's life moving forward because they'll stay with him and we'll read about their exploits and we'll read about how their dependence on David radically changed their life and gave them a new life, a new opportunity to live. It's a, an incredible story uh, of how these men were transformed under David's leadership. But it took a patient heart from David to allow, themselves, to allow them uh, to come under his leadership. It took uh, a patient heart for him to separate himself from Saul and all that Saul was doing and become an outcast himself. And for us, the same is true. Sometimes we need to understand that unless we're truly solely depending on God, we may not be as patient as we think. If we're relying on ourselves, again, as we talked about when our pride rails, uh, rears up, we may find that self-dependence is getting in the way of God's plan in our life being enacted. And then one last thing I would share with you today before we close out, and that is this. And this may be the, the part that uh, is most difficult for us, right? We can think about humility. We understand how our pride would make us impatient. We can talk about being dependent on God and why that requires patience because we don't know his, his timing. We don't know all his plans. We only have to trust. But a patient heart doesn't count the days, and I think this is where, for us, it really gets difficult. We struggle with being patient. We live in such an instant world, right? Everything happens so quickly. Everything is instantaneous for us. We send a message and it immediately is received. We, uh, we turn on uh, a TV station and it immediately appears without having to adjust you know, antennas or something else. Everything is instant. Everything happens almost in the blink of an eye. And to wait for anything is difficult for us. I told you I don't know how long David stayed in the cave, but I believe he was there for a period of time. It appears that he may have been there for several months or longer. We really don't know. It would have taken time for his family to have arrived. It would have taken time for these 400 men to trickle in under his leadership and let that word get out. They would not have all just come in mass. Whether it was weeks, months, or even longer, we don't know, but we know that David stayed there and in some ways dealt with the suffering of living, hiding in a cave. We don't have time to read it, but I would challenge you to, to go and look at a, a passage, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, we read of these mighty men, these desperate men, these indebted men, these discontented men, many of their exploits. And there were three of these men on one occasion in 2 Samuel chapter 23 that recognized, as David talked about, the thirst that he had living there in the cave. He was thirsty. And he began to dream about a well of water right outside the 
outside the city gate of Bethlehem and how wonderful and how beautiful and how tasty that water was. These men cared so much for David that they broke through uh, enemy lines, the Philistines who were in garrisons all around there, broke through all of those, got to the well and got some water and brought it back to David. So he could have been there for an extended period of time such that we read those kind of moments where he's thirsty or he's just suffering, living there in isolation. David's heart really is revealed to us as he writes these psalms and he talks about uh, the things that he's thinking, the prayers that he's praying. And Psalm 57 is a psalm that we know specifically was written while he was hiding in this cave of Adullam. We don't know when he wrote it, how long he had been there when he wrote it. And uh, just a, a quick you know, just word, we're gonna be looking at Psalm 57 in our more video this week. And, and uh, whether you use that as a group or individually, you can go check out some more teaching there. But let me just point out a couple of things. Listen to what he says in Psalm 57 uh, about the days that he had in the cave and, and how instead of counting the days, he just surrendered himself to trusting in God more. Poor pouring out his heart, expressing that he wanted to be patient and was willing to be patient uh, until God's perfect timing. Listen to this. This is verse one of Psalm 57. Be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings. Listen to this. Until danger passes. There's no time cir- circled around until. He doesn't say, I'll, I'll take, seek refuge in your wings for the next three weeks or the next month. He says, until danger passes. And then from that resolve to trust God, no matter how long it took, not counting the days, not, not agonizing over the length of stay, but just until God's plan was perfect, he would write later in Psalm 57, verse seven, my heart is confident, God, my heart is confident. See, David was assured that even in waiting on God, however long that took, God was in control and he would trust him. You know, the truth of the matter is for all of us, when we start thinking about having a patient heart, I think we get nervous about that because we don't want to go through anything longer than we have to. But we don't have access to God's planning book. We certainly don't have access to God's calendar. We have no idea what his plans are as far as how long we might walk through a valley or how long a difficulty may take uh, to resolve itself in our life. We don't know those details. What we can do is trust him and come from a place of humility to say, God, we don't want to get in the way of what you're doing. We just want to trust you. So we humbly surrender our will and our control to you. That may be tough for us. That may be tough for you, particularly if you've been in something for a long time and you're wondering how much longer. I think it's important for us to step back from wondering how much longer and simply decide, God, we want to be dependent on you. Because when we're humble before God and we surrender ourselves to him, that produces in us a dependence that says something like this, your will be done. God, not what I want, not how I want it, but I'm solely dependent now on you to see me through and for your will to be done. And that really requires this resolve from us that we're going to wait no matter what no matter how long it takes. We don't know when or, or, or how God's going to resolve any of it, but we can be confident, as David wrote in Psalm 57, verse seven, we can be confident in God that he is in control 
And his best is always for us. Even when we're not sure. Even when we have no idea what's coming next. We can trust him. Why? Because he's already there. And he's working his plan. Already working for us and in us. That really is, I guess, our takeaway today. And that is this. When we are waiting, God is working. That's good news. Maybe that's good news for you today because you're waiting and you're not sure how it's going to resolve. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time and you're not sure how it all plays out. But know this. If God is working, then God is producing in us a patient heart that will see us through with humility and dependence and a trust that will only grow as the days go by. Hey, maybe you need to talk to someone about where you are in that waiting game right now. Maybe you really struggle with patience because of a situation you're in. We have people online uh, ready to talk to you, pray with you. Uh, you can reach out through our website, uh, theorchardcc.org, and contact us and one of our location pastors or our online location pastor, AJ, would be more than happy to reach out to you and pray with you and encourage you today. David's story is such an incredible story that reminds us he can be trusted if we humbly, dependently, Wait on him with a patient heart. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for this day, for this time together here online across wherever people are, states, cities, maybe even nations. Thank you, Lord, for the story of David reminding us that even when things don't go right, even when we find ourselves isolated and maybe even in our mind alone, we are not because you are there. And if we'll be patient and exhibit a patient heart like David had, you'll do a work in us. And your plan, which is good and right for us, and your timing, which is good and right for us, will come to pass. And we will see that you are working all along, and we can give you praise for that. Lord, I pray and encourage all those today to seek you more this week than ever before, and trust you, no matter how difficult the days are, that you love them unconditionally and will always be faithful to your own. And we thank you for all of this in Christ's name. Amen.